Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today is Monday, September 20th, 2021. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the market sell-off. Uh, we have some other news to talk go over, and also we are going to do an introduction to bonds and lottery winnings. So we got a few things to cover today. Okay, stock market had a down day. Uh, let's see. Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 600 points. Now, it was down 900 points, and then there was a rally about an hour into uh, before the close, so it did make back about a third of its losses, but did finish the day down about 1.8%. Standard & Poor's 500, now 1.7%. NASDAQ Composite down 2.2%. Now, these are three uh, well-known measures of the stock market. And, and I will be covering those in detail, exactly how they're calculated and what they are on future sessions. Uh, the one thing about the, um, the buy-in about an hour before the close, that can happen for several reasons. Sometimes what happens is investors, you know, see that, the, all right, it looks like a buying opportunity. They think the market is oversold, as it sometimes tends to do based on emotion. That was one thing. Others may have been uh, trading off of charts called technical analysis, another subject I'll cover on future sessions. And they may have even looking at their charts, gave them a buy indicator. So we'll have to see uh, if that carries over into tomorrow. So what are the main reasons the markets were down today? Well, well, here they are. Uh, the markets do not like uncertainty. That is the main thing the markets do not like. They can take good news, bad news, but they do not like uncertainty. Okay, so we got several things going on here. Uh, well, first of all, September is statistically the worst month of the year for the stock market. It's the only one with records going back about 100 years. It's the only one that actually has an average loss for the year. And the second half of September that we're now entering, last two weeks, uh, tend to be even um, more volatile. Volatility goes up quite a bit and, and even more on the downside in the first two weeks. Part of the reason, there's not a lot of, of corporate earnings coming out, uh, just a lot of things. We're nearing the end of the quarter, uh, just a lot of things. It has to do with expiration of options and futures contracts, just a, a lot, lot of different things. All right. But specifically, why, why did the market sell off today besides just being September? Okay, well, we got this big uh, real estate investment company in China called Evergrande. Uh, they are on the brink of defaulting on their debt, and that is shaking the worldwide stock markets. Basically, what happened, this company has $300 billion in debt, the real estate investors, uh, and, you know, like a lot of things, they've been hit hard with COVID, slowdown in China's economy, just lots of things. And there, there's a good chance they may default on their debt. Whether that would mean bankruptcy for them or, or not remains to be seen. Now, here's the thing about that. Uh, China, what, what went on with the Chinese financial markets used to be isolated basically to China. Uh, not anymore because China is such a major now economic player worldwide. 
uh, what happens in China now affects the whole world. So uh, that's what's been happening there. There's been some sell-offs just in the overall markets uh, worried about uh, a company of this size possibly defaulting on its debt. All right, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, the Federal Reserve, I mentioned this the other day, Federal Reserve has a two-day meeting uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, they're going to issue a statement, Federal Open Market Committee statement, giving an indication as to what they may or may not do going forward with the money supply and their influence on interest rates. So I'll talk about that more uh, on the next session. Uh, so we have that uncertainty, what's going to happen there. Uh, there's still concerns about the Delta variant, COVID-19 Delta variant, particularly now as the weather is starting to get cooler in a lot of places, people spending more time indoors. So markets have some worries about that. Uh, also, um, we have a debt ceiling issue. I've talked about this on previous sessions. Uh, Congress is in a loggerhead right now about raising the amount of money that the U.S. government can borrow. Now, I mentioned in previous sessions, this is more a political issue than anything. They're not going to allow the government to suddenly stop being able to pay its bills. They wouldn't even be able to pay for the military, among other things. But it's a lot of uncertainty as to what's going to happen there. So the markets don't like that either. So we got quite a few things going on here. So we'll see how things work out over the next few days. All right, so we got some other news here, and then we'll do an introduction to bonds, as I mentioned. All right, the Federal Reserve. Uh, this is interesting, a, um, some controversy surrounding the Federal Reserve itself, not their policy actions, but the Federal Reserve itself. Um, apparently, uh, some reports have come out over the last few days that top Federal Reserve officials have been trading stocks and bonds. Uh, bonds are ownership, uh, stocks ownership in a company, bonds or loans. Um, that could, it says they're trading stocks and bonds that could be influenced at least indirectly by their decisions. Well, uh, that is not violating any kind of policy, but the thing is, Federal Reserve kind of lives on its credibility. They're known for being squeaky clean with this stuff, and if investors and the markets in general begin to be concerned, even the slightest suspicion they could be taking policy actions to influence investments they own. Well, that could create all kinds of issues. It would probably quickly lead to uh, increased regulation by Congress. Uh, what would most likely uh, end up ha happening in that case is they'd have to be putting their assets in blind trusts that are uh, at financial firms. And the idea with these blind trusts is that they do not know what their money is invested in. Uh, I remembered many years ago uh, at one of the brokerage firms I worked at, uh, there was an account that we were always told just don't touch, don't look at it. So, and we, we didn't even have access to it. And, but you know, I always wondered, like, wow, because we had some accounts with some really big celebrities. I mean, some of the most famous people in the world. And we could certainly access those accounts as, as you know, a part of our job. But anyway. So I always wondered about this account. One day I was in a uh, vice president's office and uh, he said to me, Bill, you want to see what account that is? I said, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, he brought it up and it was the president of the United States. I, I won't say which president, but it was the president of the United States account address, the White House, and the, uh, the president's assets were in a blind trust that we were actually managing at our brokerage firm. So anyway, all right, so let's see what goes on there with the Federal Reserve with that. So we got that going on. Uh, 
NASA is uh, taking a look at, you know, the International Space Station is going to still run now, probably to the end of the decade, but uh, it says that NASA is now turning to companies to build private space stations in orbit. They may get government contracts to do that. Uh, so keep an eye, and that's long-term, obviously, but, you know, obviously some companies you probably think of, SpaceX, Blue Origin, and many others, Boeing and whoever. Uh, my guess is there are probably multiple ones up there, so... There's also talk about building space stations in orbit around the moon also. So uh, that, that's, that's new. That was announced today. So NASA, again, beginning to privatize the uh, space industry. So again, some long-term opportunities there. Okay, what else we got here? Uh, the Emmy Awards were last night. Uh, the uh, Emmy Awards, the ratings bounced back. Uh, they were up 16% from last year. Now, this is something the entertainment industry has been looking at uh, because award shows in general hit record lows last year. A lot of them were off 50% from where they usually are. Uh, so anyway, uh, the fact that they're back up. Last year, you know, obviously with COVID, things were virtual, but now they're back to live audience. So that's pretty good news there. They had 7.4 million Viewers bouncing back from an all-time low. Why have the award shows in general have been losing lots of their audience over the last few years? There's different theories why. One is that some people may be, um, you know, more spending more time on streaming services. They're not as engaged with the movies and TV shows and even the music uh, that, that is out there today like they once were. Um, also, perhaps some pushback on Hollywood. Uh, some, there's some feeling among some that they may be out of touch with, you know, what a, a lot of other people um, think about things. So possibly some of that. Uh, just people not watching network TV in general, which is where the award shows are, just doing other things. It, lots of reasons. So anyway, so this is pretty good news there. Uh, Emmy Awards um, up 16% from a year ago. Okay, what else we got here? Uh, also, we'll stay in entertainment news here for a second. Here's an interesting one. Swedish, Swedish house mafia to work with Ikea on products that will democratize creativity and music production. It's like, really? So there's a mafia in Sweden and they're working with Ikea? Uh, no, Swedish house mafia is it actually... A, it's a really, really well-known electronic dance music group. There's three of them, uh, three in the group. And, uh, and Ikea is from Sweden. So the three members of Swedish House Mafia, by the way, Axwell, um, Steve Angelo, and uh, Sebastian Ingrasso, uh, they, they are actually are well-known on their own in that world. But anyway... Uh, yeah, I guess they're going to be working on furnishings. You get a lot of musicians working from home now, doing music from home, and that'll probably continue on. And I guess, you know, some desk, they would use things like that. So Swedish House Mafia and Ikea are partnering up. All right, so we got that. What else we got here? Let's see here. Um, saw an article today that banks are now beginning to consider climate risk for home loans. They call this process underwater writing, also called blue lining. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be a concern. They make a 30-year loan uh, on a home, and you know maybe it's now in a flood area where it once was not. Uh, or you know, just anything with climate. Uh, so that's one of the first things I've seen in the financial industry where uh, possible loans and products are now being specifically um, modified somewhat due to climate change. So uh, saw that. So that's called blue lining or underwater writing. So you may hear more about that going forward. Okay, what else we got here? 
Uh, Sears. Okay, and I got a little business lesson here. Sears is closing its last department store in Illinois. Okay, so what's the big deal about that? Well, that's their home state. Uh, and I guess they will have no more department stores in their home state. Uh, just Sears in general. You know, this was, uh, here's what happens. Here's, here's the business lesson for everybody. You know, these big companies sometimes just get a little too set in their ways. Um, not just a little, a lot too set in their ways. And that's why there's always going to be new business opportunities for upstart companies. I mean, think about Sears for a second, uh, j just so you know the, the history of it. Uh, back in the 1800s, a guy named Richard Sears uh, saw an opportunity uh, People were still living out on farms and in, you know, small towns and such. And he, he figured out a way to get big city products to people that normally would not go to a big city. And he was going to use the trains. See, we had railroads, you know, popping up all over the United States. So his idea was he'll mail, mail to everybody a free catalog. He got a partner, Roebuck, Sears Roebuck, uh, mail everybody a free catalog. And then the idea, you could order whatever you see in the catalog. And then uh, Sears would then deliver it uh, to the local dry goods store in your town. Uh, you can go get it, or they'd even put it in the mail for you. You could order almost anything. So, you know, that's what Sears became known as, as a catalog company. And then in the 20th century, Sears began to open department stores. So, but they were originally a catalog company. All right, so, you know, Sears became then, they actually became the world's largest retailer. At one time, at over 3,000 stores. So then the late 90s come along with the internet, and it should have been an easy move for Sears to become simply an internet retailer. I mean, they already had the catalog, simply move it online. And yet, because they were so set in their ways and had identified themselves more now as a department store company that just happened to have catalogs, well, they let this new company, Amazon, come along and take the whole market from them. In reality, that should have been Sears. So instead of saying, well, I'll order it from Amazon, people should be saying today, well, I'll order it from Sears. And if they had done that, I have no doubt they would be the world's largest company today, which is actually Walmart. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so that's, uh, you know, remember that. Uh, you're going to have a lot of times there's going to be new opportunities when companies just get too set in their ways. All right, so we had that going on today. Uh, Chevrolet with the Chevy Volt, all right, their electric car. Uh, apparently, they sent out a recall to their owners um, saying, basically, don't park it near your house. Uh, and be aware, uh, by the way, it can catch on fire. And they were telling people, don't park it near your house, and it can catch on fire. And we don't know how to fix it. That, that was basically it. Uh, they, they had thought it was a software issue, so they issued a software update, and the things kept catching on fire. So when they sent that message around everybody, uh, yeah, we recommend that you don't park it near your house. Uh, I guess people were just selling it back to GM, which they, in their contract they said they could do. So the GM has been forced to buy these things back, which has been a major problem for them. But they did announce today that starting in October, they have come up with a fix for the battery. Uh, so, um, you know, we'll have to see what happens. It hasn't been widespread, by the way. We're only we're talking, I think, 12 fires. But still, the fact that, who you know, people want to drive around or, you know, they tell you, they'll, they'll be careful parking it near your house. Well, exactly where you're going to charge it then. 
So anyway, so they did announce they have a fix. So th this is going to be a blip in the electric car market, you know, and the market is still coming, but they'll, they'll get it figured out. So that's been getting a lot of press. That's why I wanted to mention that. All right, so we had that. Uh, what else did we have here? Just a couple of other things. I want to talk about bonds. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, we had a continuous uh, companies increasing dividends. Microsoft, Texas Instruments, and other companies have uh, announced that they are raising their dividends. Now, keep an eye out for that. Where companies that announced they're raising their dividends, dividends are a cut of the profits paid quarterly. The reason that that's that's actually really good news is companies are very reluctant to ever cut a dividend once they set it at a certain level. Even if they lose money for a quarter, they'll tend to pay it out of retained earnings, which are profits that they've held back, uh, previous profits they've held back. Um, so here's the thing. When companies announce they are raising their dividends, that means they're confident enough in their cash flow and future cash flow that they're going to be able to pay this continuously from then on. So that's usually a, a good a bit of news. Uh, one other slight thing. First of all, some companies don't pay dividends. They just reinvest everything back in their company, retained earnings for future growth. Other companies like utility companies pay a lot of their uh, profits out as dividends. Sometimes you see companies that are paying only one penny a quarter as a dividend. Like why did it even bother? Well, the real reason is that they're are certain insurance companies, as well as a few pension plans that are big stock purchasers. Their charters, particularly the insurance companies, say they can only buy dividend-paying stocks. So that's that's why they qualify then for purchase. All right, so the last thing today, let's talk about uh, lottery winnings and bonds. All right, so the lotteries are still really big. There have been no winners. Uh, I'm checking it as of right now. Um, it's about 4.30 in the afternoon on Monday, September 20th. Powerball, $472 million. Mega Millions, $432 million. They may even grow some more even before the drawings. All right. So here's the thing. Uh, first of all, one thing I need to update. The other day I said that uh, any state taxes are based on your residence. That actually is the way it used to be. But I did double check that. I thought I'd remember the reading that it changed. And that has changed. It, it's based on where you bought the ticket, that state's taxes. So, which is kind of unusual because that would be more of a sales tax scenario. But I, I've read it from a few places. They said it's based on the state you bought it as far as state income taxes. So I guess if you're near the border or two states, I guess buy the ticket in the one that has the lower state income tax. Uh, by the way, if you want to get an idea of what your lump sum settlement would be, we we recommend to stockbrokers that you take lump sum settlements over the 20-year annuity. I'll tell you why. I didn't actually give you the reason the other day. Uh, all you have to do, if we take the lump sum settlement, you're going to pay the maximum tax anyway. All we have to do as in, you know, in investment advisors is uh, just to get you about 2.5% on your winnings each year, and it equals what you would have gotten in the 20-year settlement. So it's not like you have to get a high return. It's around 2.5%. It varies a little bit by state, but not that much. But if you want to see what your total payout is after state, federal taxes, and everything, just use a search engine like Google or whatever you use. Type in lottery lump sum payment calculator, I guess, lottery lump sum payment calculator, and various ones come up. You plug in the amount that you conceivably would win, what state, uh, I guess, we bought the ticket in, and then plug it in, and it gives you that total final number. Okay, so 
Here's the thing, last thing today. We're going to do just a very, very brief introduction to bonds. All right, stocks are part ownership of a company. I've talked about that before. Uh, well, here's the thing. If you went, stocks are mostly for growth, bonds are for income. So here's the thing. Remember, if you've clear, you know, you've won two hundred million dollars now. You have a financial account. You don't need a lot of growth. You've already got everything you need. I'm not saying you want to put, don't want to put some of the money in growth. You know, still make it grow over time, but. For lottery winners, they begin to look more at the bond market. Now, here's a very brief introduction to bonds, and then I'll cover them more on upcoming sessions. Uh, what a bond is, it's a loan to a government or a corporation. And many bonds are in increments of $1,000. And you basically, if you lend, a say, a government or corporation $1,000, you get two promises, a rate of interest you'll make and when you get your money back. So let's say you lend uh, $1,000 to the United States Treasury or United States government. You're lending it to the Treasury, so it's called a Treasury bond. Let's say it's a 10-year bond. Let's say the Treasury offers to pay you 3% a year interest, which is higher than current rates, but it has been much higher than that over time. Uh, all right, so here's the way it works. You lend a government $1,000, and they offer to give you 3% a year interest. So you earn $30 a year in interest uh, over 10 years, $300, and at the end of 10 years, you get your $1,000 back. Simple as that. Now, um, you can lend money to either the U.S. federal government or you can lend it to city and state governments, state of Florida, um, state of New York, uh, the city of Dallas, Texas, um, Orange County in California, or Orange County in Central Florida, where Orlando is. Uh, and those are called municipalities, and those are municipal bonds. And the interest you earn on municipal bonds is tax-free from federal income taxes. Uh, they can't tax each other's debts. Uh, like state income taxes don't apply to interest from federal bonds, and the federal government can't tax the interest on municipal bonds. It has to do with the separation of federal and state powers clause of the Constitution. But anyway, but municipal bonds pay less interest than the taxable federal bonds. So it depends on a person's tax bracket. If they're in a, a, a high tax bracket, go with the municipal bonds tax-free. And if they're in a low tax bracket, then it's better to usually do it to federal bonds and just pay the tax. Uh, then you can lend to corporations also. Now, corporations pay higher interest than uh, any of the governments. However, it's fully taxable at both a federal and state level. Now, one way to um, many times avoid even the state income taxes, that is, if you live in a state that has those, is buy municipal bonds from that state. Usually it's exempt now from also their own state income taxes. So that's a very, very brief introduction to bonds. I'll talk more about bonds on the next session, uh, you know, laddering approaches that a lot of lottery winners do and so forth. But I just wanted to give you just a very, very brief introduction to um, how, how those things work because uh, that's the investment many lottery winners will be um, investing in. But I'll go over those more on the next session. All right, so uh, again, Bill Thompson, T-Bill, hope this stuff is helping and I'll talk to everybody again soon. Take care, see ya.